0: Boom, <coughs> no, no, no.
1: back to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the spectral prophet caught in the glass orb of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who were previously worried about the brains, which are still awful, but think the bell jar might be the worst. My name is Sarah. I'm joined as always by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing?
0: i fully still trying to catch up. I've now read this chapter twice and yet there's enough activity here that feels like you could... Every Harry Potter book has that chapter where everything happens. This one's had a couple, and this one feels like it's that doubled up even again.
2: Things uh, are, The, the things tentacles are of it are
0: reaching into your brain? Is that the... Uh... Sure, yeah, let's go into that thing. I still don't fully understand, and maybe I'm better off not.
1: Yeah, it's magic, so those are allowed to be tentacles on the brain.
0: A, a wizard did it. This text <laughs> runs on that.
1: I mean, to be
2: fair... Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like the bodies exhibits and stuff like that, but if you actually look at like the the cranial nerves coming out of the brain, it is very, uh, maybe more jellyfish-like than uh, octopus, but but it is, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening.
1: Oh, sure. I just think that it's interesting that they are repeatedly called tentacles and not nerves. At no point do we get the suggestion that these might be (laughs) anatomically correct.
0: Hey, hey, when a brain flies out of a tank, leaps at you while trailing various thoughts, you get to assign different characteristics to it than an anatomically perfect device.
2: Uh, so, that that does remind me, Spencer. Uh, do you remember offhand the difference between tentacles and arms? Not really, no. That's disappointing. I uh,
0: will <laughs> look that up later.
2: Well, I, I think the the decision now is that octopuses don't have tentacles they have arms and it has to do with the uh like their sucker (laughs) complement.
0: we go interesting places on this but i assure you i will research that later (laughs)
1: uh so anyway we have some segments that we do here we are in the 35th chapter of the fifth book of harry potter beyond the veil uh this is a big one y'all and we do have some segments. We have a rapid fire recap uh, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. We award house points, and then there are questions.
0: Indeed, there are. Period. To, get, <laughs> to eventually reach that unpleasant point for Sarah, we have to start with a recap. And as said, Sarah, how the hell are you going to do this one? Yeah,
1: I don't. This is one of those chapters where, like, there's a decision point when I'm doing my notes. I can either do a sort of, and then everybody chased each other around for 20 pages before you, something Benny else Homer, happened. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to go into a level of detail that is not overly conducive to a two minute recap. I tried to split, split it, the middle here. Unclear.
0: It, it, BJ and will make an executive decision of whether, whether you just want to say, and then it goes full Benny Hill. Yep. And we'll de- <laughs> deem whether that's accurate or not.
1: Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. I'm going to go under two minutes, not put in a real bet.
0: Okay. I have the stopwatch ready. You just tell me when you are.
1: Death Eaters begin appearing around them as Lucius Malfoy asks again for the orb. One woman mocks Harry outright for falling for the vision of Sirius. When she tries to accio the prophecy from Harry, Lucius panics that it will be smashed. The woman, revealed as Bellatrix Lestrange, threatens to take Jenny, but Harry has questions about the prophecy and why Voldemort wants it. He riles Bellatrix out such that she tries to stupefy him. Lucius deflects and several other orbs are smashed. Ghostly figures unfurl from them and speak prophetically in between the Death Eaters' shouts lucius gleefully reveals as harry hisses at hermione to start smashing shelves that only people a prophecy was made about can retrieve it and this one's about harry and voldemort and the reason he tried to kill him as a baby harry signals his friends and they fire off spells at the shelves releasing spectral prophets and taking off running um pursued by death eaters through the rooms of the department of mysteries hermione stupefies one such that his head falls into the bell jar with terrifying results they get trapped in an office where Dolohov. Through a silencing spell, slashes Hermione's chest and breaks Neville's nose and wand. They escape with Harry ordering Neville to get Hermione to the lift, but Neville won't let him go back to find the others alone. They find them. Jenny's got a broken ankle and Ron's gone funny. They get to the room with the doors at the same time as the Death Eaters and escape into the brain room. Ron's weirdness has him sending brains around the room. Turns out the tentacles are murderous. Harry runs for the room with the dais, and the Death Eaters follow him. He's trapped, trying to bargain with Lucius when broken-nosed Neville tries to come to the rescue. Bellatrix is more than happy to hit him with Crucio. Harry is just about to give over the prophecy when Sirius, Lupin, Moody, Tonks, and Kingsley sprint into the room. They're busy dueling with Death Eaters, and Sirius eventually steps in to save Harry from Dolohov. Harry's trying to get Neville out. When the orb slips and smashes, it's too far away to hear the prophecy... But Dumbledore himself appears on the scene. The Death Eater's freak, but Sirius and Bellatrix are intent on each other. He's taunting her as he gets hit in the chest by a spell and falls backward through the veil. Harry tries to follow him and is pulled back by his friends.
0: Hell, 152.
1: Oh, man. Damn. All right. Well done. Well, uh, so that's what... I think he had the pain points. That's what happens, guys. <laughs> it is what happens.
0: We, we will flush that out more. Thank
1: you, Spencer. I do rely on you to... Make up for my lacking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the eight seconds that you had extra. Yes.
1: Uh, before we get there, though, BJ, what are you wheezing about? You seem to have had a strong emotional <clears throat> reaction to this chapter.
2: Uh, th- this was this was a chapter. Uh, Bellatrix So mm-hmm. Strange mm-hmm. is. Uh, I feel like we're 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 turning back the clock on certain chapters. Uh, this is a very. Uh, I don't know, very YA chapter? Mm-hmm. The, the, like... Well,
0: until the end, I suppose. <laughs> sure. A certain category of YA yeah. even still. YA gotten oddly murderous yeah, over the true. years. Yeah, that's true. But
1: when this was published, I think...
0: Yeah. It, it yeah. was a little less We were less not
1: murderous. in... Um, yeah.
2: Though, is this murderous or... Anyway, so... <laughs> Bellatrix basically doing the, like, dumb voice mimicry mm-hmm. is wild, It's just such a weird thing for a presumable adult to be doing. And...
0: Yeah. It's fun, too, because in text, everyone thinks it's weird. It's like you can almost just... You can feel Lucius Malfoy just struggling to keep the room in order, um, internally and externally, when dealing with just this cackling, mad stereotype that we've been threatened with contact with for... Three books now? Bellatrix yeah.
1: is that friend that like you go out to the bars and they have one more drink than you're really oh, comfortable God. with and you know you know they get weird when they tip over past the like the three drink point and then mm-hmm. you're just trying to manage for yeah. the rest of it. And So I actually two. I, I really, and, I feel for Lucius here. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like it's always that friend that denies that it happens. It's like, they're always like, one more drink, it's going to be fine. I don't oh, know yeah, what you're talking about. I'm just fun. here to have fun. Mm-hmm. And then it's an ordeal. Not for them. They're still having a blast. It's an ordeal for
1: you. Yeah, so you've got like four and a half hours left of the night where you're <laughs> just trying to
0: keep things and, and, on the rail.
1: And Lucius... And suddenly all... Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Lucius and suddenly is... all the other friends disappear. It's just you managing it.
1: That's right. And Lucius is not particularly well-equipped to manage the situation. <laughs> let's be very clear. Yeah.
0: We've, we've gotten to see Lucius be a dad around Draco. And the, the, le- the, the level of you know maturity and oversight and patience that would be required to even do that has not been apparent. And it's certainly not showing up here. No. He almost let a Silencio fly. Like, let, let's be clear. Like, this
2: is not... <laughs> This is in no way okay and mm-hmm. it's just it's such a funny like i don't know it's just such a funny thing uh also that it's all in italics um <laughs> yeah. and it's mm-hmm. just
0: like it she talks in italics
2: <laughs> yeah very clearly she's talking like because i don't know we 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 do have some differences later mm-hmm. um but but yeah it it's just all sorts of of funny um the that uh, there are fewer like per se things like that. I mean, you know, there was some M dash interest that that I had in in this chapter, but I'm gonna give that up in in uh, favor of the villain soliloquy mm. and just it's such a weird thing to 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 have uh, sort of in this chapter, but also just like a uh, I feel like all all of this chapter in particular, we have a lot of spells being thrown around, and then a lot of things that are just like, why aren't we using spells usefully? And I, you know, I I understand why you have to do it. You have to have a, you know,
1: a plot and stuff like that, but (laughs) put it on a t-shirt. You have to have plot and stuff like that. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but it but it's
2: sort of problematic to just ignore the world that you've built and the spells that you're tossing around in this chapter just to have a confrontation that doesn't actually go anywhere. Like you know we don't really find out anything about the prophecies other than they're important and who can take them and that they're a thing. I mean we it's just like hey there's a MacGuffin. Don't MacGuffin that MacGuffin because MacGuffin reasons and. <laughs> Like, if, if instead of showing up and having a weird conversation, uh, Lucius just, and all of the Death Eaters that seem to basically outnumber all the main characters, but maybe not enough, just, you know, had a a wand with a, a sight on it and just, you know, paralyzed them, could have just walked up and taken it as soon as they had it. Or just, like, walked up and taken Harry to see Voldemort. Like, there there's just, I, I get that you get rid of stuff, but... I don't know, stuff like that.
1: Well, I mean, I think, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think the point is that, like, Harry had the nuclear option of smashing the prophecy the whole time, which is why they couldn't be more violent in what they were doing while the prophecy was still yeah. intact. Right, but yeah.
2: also the, uh, like, paralyzed spell, I'm blanking on the uh, particular one. But Petrificus totalis. Yes, that one.
1: I mean, isn't no. the... Danger that he's going to drop it or fall on it or like that's a I mean, dangerous I, gameplay. I right? Like, sure, it, it,
0: it's it, it's an interesting moment of chicken in the sense that you described it as a MacGuffin. It's only a MacGuffin for one side of the room. Uh, Harry has no idea what this is or why it matters, nor do we. Which I I delight in the fact that the the entire room of Death Eaters, murderous bastards that they all are, to varying degrees are baffled about suddenly realizing how much Dumbledore keeps Harry in the dark. Yeah. (laughs) They cannot understand that what has been their MacGuffin the entire book is entirely unknown to Harry because the guy that would have told him tells him nothing. Mm -hmm. So this is their, you know, what they've been building the entire plot for. They can't risk it for some reason that we don't fully understand. I'm sure Dumbledore will explain it, you know, sarcastically in the next chapter as he often does after the plot's already resolved. But... Apparently, they're not willing to take any chances with it.
1: If nothing else, the reason is Voldemort said do this. And if you don't do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bad Um, bad things things happen.
1: Yeah.
2: I also, I really, there's something I really am entertained by. There are like three people that will say Voldemort for different reasons, obviously. But it's like (laughs) Harry, Neville and Dumbledore. And (laughs) it's such a weird group. And (laughs) like, no one else says his name. And it's just like, you know, it—it's too—he's too revered, or we're too afraid, and—and and the rest are just like, oh, you mean this guy? And they're like, oh no, no, oh, no. no. <laughs> um, I also do imagine that, um, not unlike every other children's TV show, uh, there is a lot of death in the MOOC ranks, and so if, as we've talked about before, saying Voldemort's name, there's some sort of like minor connection that you have to him or sort of alerts him to your presence. That is a very good way for the mooks to die uh, <laughs> as uh, Voldemort is much more likely to kill his underlings than I think anybody else. I would be really curious to see that like, death tally of people <laughs> Voldemort has killed. Um, not, Not like his minions, but like him killing directly, if it's more... Of the <laughs> Voldemort group or the everybody
1: else? Well, we got a whole bunch of his last ones in the last book when they came out of his wand.
0: That's true. We can actually go back through that list and unpack yeah, whose side the, of the V they were on. Now the we, most recent ones.
1: Yeah, it, it only goes back to Harry's parents, I guess. So, like, unclear what the, what the ratio was in the height of his power, right? Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: BJ, with you, I enjoy that you highlight the fact that the uh, other Death Eaters are so up in arms on the subject of using the word Voldemort. It, we're reaching a point of where I almost feel like they're going to yell out, "We call it. We call him the Scottish wizard. We don't say his name." <laughs> it's, it it feels institutional at this point.
1: <laughs> That's exactly it.
0: <laughs> um,
2: there's also a uh, sense of. I'm sure like there there are many other places this is, but um Spencer, you remember uh mom in the mom corporation and her th- yeah. her three sons mm-hmm. the death eaters kind of feel like the three sons like there's one competent one maybe amongst them, That's and the delicious. rest are bumbling i mean it's it's a little three stoogy or a lot three stoogie mm-hmm. yeah. um and <laughs> I I get that like things happen later in this chapter that make it try to feel impactful,
1: but they're so bad at what they're trying to like well so and... I was thinking about this while I was reading the chapter this morning and I was kind of thinking like, Well, what evidence do we have that death eaters have to be good at what they do? They're only death eaters because they signed up to be death eaters. And like I can't yeah. imagine that they are training like Dumbledore's army yeah. is training, right? Yeah. And so there's actually an in-world oh. explanation for why this. Go- I mean, yes, they're a little they're silly in the way that they go about it, but like outside of right. the silliness of the spells, there's actually an in-world explanation for why our crew is holding their own here. Like they are actually training, and I don't think the Death Eaters are.
0: Yeah. And they're all just out of prison too. So even if they were, you know, at top of, at the top of their game at one point. They've only pretty recently gotten out of jail. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So
2: it's just, it's very interesting to me uh, how comical this is. And this is like their uh, elite team. It it does. um, And I doubt we're going to anger any of the uh, listeners that we have with this, but it does kind of remind me of the... uh, Pro gun people that just sort of like waddle around with their <laughs> AR-15s and tactical gear and yes. like think that they can take on like the police or the army or whatever with you know the weapons that they have and it's just like they're a sort of play
1: militia. Yeah,
2: and that's kind of what this feels like, which I am aware that's not how where we're going in the in the books. Mm-hmm. Like you know th- this isn't, but this does weirdly feel like voldemort's crack team is you know the basement d- dwellers of of Fortnite sent out to to try
1: and uh here's here's the non-spoiler spoiler on that voldemort feels the same way <laughs> yeah and that's why he's killing all his mooks yeah. like it, it, it's it's notable that in
0: text that how many Death Eaters are there in this chapter? There's like uh, it's 15 <laughs> or something?
1: 10 to 12. I don't know. Yeah. Because we but, only but, get like the, three or four named. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Like, and then six members or so of the Order of the Phoenix show up and hold their own with Kingsley dueling two people at the same time, as the text, the text says. Because
1: Kingsley is the best of all of us. Let's be very clear. <laughs> very
0: fair. And so they're holding their own. It's, it's an even give and take, whatever else. And then Dumbledore shows up and it becomes just infinitesimally relevant yeah. because now a professional is on scene. So I think, Sarah, so it's fu- funny to hear Voldemort's been pissed about this because I think in text we're seeing that these guys are under-leveled and over-hyped yes. from what we've been get, hearing about them.
1: Voldemort would like yeah. to have better people as well, but the uh, the talent hype <laughs> it's got grind. is not there.
2: <laughs> yeah. and But it's also sort of interesting to have Lucius there who yeah. is clearly competent Yes. And he's probably also in the, like, it'd be nice if it was just me. I'm pretty sure I could have dealt with it.
1: Lucius actually kind of, I mean, yes, he did stop in the middle of this chapter to have his sort of, like, uh, what would you call it, the villain soliloquy?
2: Like, he does yeah. get yeah.
1: caught up in conversation a lot. But he was handling this okay.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... but he- they everybody has their respective skills. He's the one that's you know invested his levels in diplomacy, and it was going all right. Yep.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, I I do kind of feel like even with his soliloquy, it would have been fine if it was just him because he like he would have surprised them with like Akio wands or something like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it would have been fine yep. until like things started happening.
1: Yes.
2: Um, so the last thing that will change the books. Because, you know, there's the 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 joke of you know everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the everybody can cast spells until they get punched in the face. Um, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it was really funny. But also, I now know what the most important uh, class is at Hogwarts, and it's speech therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that really should be a component oh, of defense boy. against the dark arts
1: well so here's the thing though it actually I, I guess we haven't gotten it yet but like we do get an interesting one two in this chapter because dolohov once he has i think it's dolohov once he was silenced Silence, yeah. he mm-hmm, he so knows too. how to do this the
0: silent incantation yeah
1: and yeah. obviously neville does not yet right because right the speech yeah. becomes a problem I feel like
0: we talked. We've been casting a lot of shade at the, at the Death Eaters, but Dolohov and Bellatrix, them two can throw down. They, from what we see, they know
1: what they're doing. Uh, Bellatrix yeah. is a unstable, which becomes Loose a problem. Yeah. but like Dolohov actually seems to be the most competent and like falling in line with yeah. people. Although he then does have, isn't he the one who like puts that jig chant spell on Neville. It, Neville? it,
0: it is incapacitating. It just goes wrong. It,
1: It is, so I don't know if that's a sort of, like, he has a weird sense of humor, or he is also a little... That was the one that got me as a sort of, like, what are we doing? He was
0: really into Irish Step when he was a kid, and it's just carried through.
2: I also feel like that there is a uh, authorial necessity to the fights that you can't just use one spell, because... Murder. Murder. Unless you're Harry Potter.
1: (laughs) I think he uses I, two. Even was, Harry goes afield this, here. Yeah, he did. He yeah. even. I don't think he even used Expelliarmus once. No, this chapter.
2: Neville no. does. Um, and I, th- I think he locked a door, but maybe not.
0: Um, I think so, it was Hermione actually locked the door.
2: <laughs> that, well, there were like five door locks. Like it, you know, it's. A, we it, went through many doors this yes. chapter. Um, it was adorable. So. Oh no. <laughs>
0: oh god damn it that would that one delayed it a delayed hit
2: i like how sarah gets it first and you're like oh let's go oh, okay that was um but but yeah that just just the i i i really am fascinated by like how uh important pronunciation is until it's not and, sure. you know, we, we like level, we're going to level up in the next like book or two where people can not have to say things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, at some point we're going to need to know, uh, for a particular spell that we almost saw here, uh, what Spencer's wand motions are for it, because I, I know that he'd have a, a particularly interesting one.
0: I'll be, I'll be recounting the spells our heroes use at a certain point. So you can tell me which one that is.
2: Um, I'd. I don't know. I'm pretty sure we've had this spell, but it wasn't fully cast in this uh, chapter.
0: Okay. Shall I take up the reins?
2: Please. Uh, Yes, please. Uh,
0: I don't, Sarah, you kind of taunt us a little bit with, oh, it's a drawling voice. Who might this be? I did not picture Lucius Malfoy having a drawling voice, but I maybe could have gone back previously and checked that that's been a prior descriptor of how he talks. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we've said. Is he Texan? We don't know that he's not. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, we don't know that he's not. I suppose that's true.
0: <laughs> BJ's head cannon just got adjusted.
1: I mean, their is, family is, there is a... actually oil money, and they...
0: <laughs> run with it.
2: I'm trying to think. Like, would you describe any of the like UK? accents sure they drawling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in like I see it a lot in like historical fiction that that is. A word that yeah. is used. Um, That's fair. I'm
2: just trying to yeah. think of like, which, which, but, I think but Texas I, is, yeah. is so much oh, more entertaining. To
0: I, 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 mean, I was picturing it was being received pronunciation. If he's actually from Cornwall, I'm having a very fun imp- interpretation of the character now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we, as he said, he's, he's doing, he is being the mo of this collection of three stooges. He is trying to manage morons and it yeah. does not go that great. And his frustration is dripping off the page <laughs> at every turn.
1: Now give me that there. Oh, (laughs) God, just don't (laughs) leave (laughs) it. No, not Kentucky.
0: We're not going full Kentucky. Yeah,
1: that's (laughs) that's hill country, my friend.
0: (laughs) Uh, We finally meet Bellatrix Lestrange. This is a character that has been set up to the same degree that Voldemort was, and in some ways she has almost the same category of introduction. It's just like you said, BJ, it is leaning into the cackling mad that Voldemort doesn't really go in the same way, but... She's been talked about for several books. She is the enemy. She has a, a... One of our main characters, she pretty much killed his parents. So that's got a similar kind of connection to Voldemort. And in the introduction chapter, she kills the hero. This is hitting a lot of the same story beats as Voldemort. She feels like she is in some ways a, a counterpart, a mirror image. Not a mirror image, just a, a, a shared role in text for certain characters. She is Neville's Voldemort, I guess. Um, Harry... Harry's stubbornness has been often talked about in the text. I enjoy when it extends to just straight up refusing to accept reality. <laughs> we have a way too long at the start of this of the start chapter. It's in character for Harry but it's way too long of where he's still demanding that they show Sirius to the point that even the Death Eaters are getting bored with it. Like, at first they find it funny but after like the fourth back and forth they're like Malfoy's just like, dude, dude please just accept that dreams and reality have a different thing and that we played you. Just I need you to catch up on this because I'm trying to do things today. <laughs> there,
2: there's a scene in Spaceballs. Which that, one? That this reminds me. I'm surrounded by assholes. Assholes? Keep firing, assholes! Because <laughs> uh, I, I feel like Lucius at this point is just like, we, they can't all be dumb. I can't be surrounded <laughs> by all <laughs> morons. B- like Both sides are all are you're, you're supposed to not be, well, maybe you are. Okay, I, I feel like at some point he, he just turns to Hermione and is just like, all right, so we're going to have a conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's not part of this anymore. He's holding the MacGuffin, but I'm going to talk with you. Mm-hmm. Can, can you explain to Harry? <laughs> we played you. You're in a trap. And, this entire book was setting this in motion. And Herm- You're spoiling my victory moment.
1: And Hermione in this conversation is just like,
0: Harry. Dude,
1: no, he. She, to Lucy, she's like, dude, I've been trying to tell him this for like four chapters now. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it really is
0: kind of funny that all the other characters that are behind Harry are just like trying to whisper quietly to him. It's like, dude, it's okay. We all saw this coming, but we're here for you. Mm-hmm. It becomes a certain degree understandable. A, Harry is stubborn as hell. Yes. And he gets lots of content. But B, we get a wonderful moment inside his head of where he's essentially acknowledging that I can't accept this because if this is true, I just got all my friends killed. Yes. Yeah. I can't can't allow that to be the case, so I'm going to deny it. Yep. It then lends into a much more successful strategy of where he starts to then play this collection of unstable people, particularly Bellatrix, against themselves.
2: Um, And to be Uh, fair, we have had a very weird mix of things happening in Harry's dreams, and like this is the one time, and and admittedly that it's the plot of this book, but Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. every other time in every other book, he's just been seeing things that are happening. Yes. So like, I kind of get Harry's frustration. It almost feels like Harry's frustrated with J.K. Rowling (laughs) more than (laughs) anything else. It's just like every other goddamn time. I've been seeing things in this world. Why is it this time, did you have to change the plot? So that this is this is the situation
0: that I end up. in. Yep. This is your to, fault. To, to to which J.K. Rowling is now singing meatloaf, going two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Just like you know, I'm allowed to I'm I'm allowed to to make the exception that proves the rule, and this was set up from the word go. But yeah, it's it. He starts threatening to destroy the prophecy, effective, he doesn't know what it is, but he knows they want it, so effective to threaten it to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. He asks them to go on villain soliloquies, which they're all way too happy to do, because they're villains, and this is a young adult text, Mm -hmm. Um, and they're also just all massively full of themselves, and those people in real life were very willing to talk about how great they are and how this plan's worked out perfectly. He throws out Voldemort's name, because he knows that works, and then he taunts them about the fact that Voldemort's a half-blood, which... The people behind him are horrified that he's doing that, but that is a really successful play because it gets them to pull the trigger, and then we go, as said, full Benny Hill. I'm hearing Yakety Sax playing for the next mm-hmm. twenty pages of the ten pages of this, of this chapter. Oh as no, it was twenty goes pages. Now.
1: Don't worry, you got the you got the number right. It
0: it, it went on. Uh, the fact that we're in a room of goddamn prophecies is just interesting. That. We did not know this existed. I'm really amused that in text, people in the world don't fully know how this room in the prophecies work. Mm-mm. Voldemort did not know in advance that only the people that are actually in the prophecies can access them. Which is interesting. I feel like that needs to be or pondered to a certain degree that this is a room that exists, people know this room exists... How this room in the prophecies exists is not much more widely known, even by somebody that is as knowledgeable and in the know or aware of this room as Voldemort is. Um, it's it, it the, the the degree to which this room is intentionally frustrating is rivaling, like you know, the end of, of Indiana Jones and, the, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, of where we're in that giant warehouse, they're sealing away the Ark of the Covenant, and you just realize there's a room of just nothing but that extending as far as the eye can see. So so it be. So we shall. I'm sure never return to this room. <laughs> along with similar similar things in these stories. And as said, oh, we also even get this. You know, very casually dropped by Lucius. You know, as they're part of, they're just legitimately baffled that Dumbledore's kept this hidden from Harry. That, dude, you know, part of the reason your parents were killed and that you know we tried to kill the told we tried to kill you is because of this room, right? And because of these prophecies, dude. like. Okay, I'm actively under threat, but I'm going to file that one away for further unpacking. Because, no, I did not know that.
1: I feel like this chapter is overall, yes, it's a chapter that things happen in, but it is the chapter where J.K. Rowling figured out that Harry had gotten to terms with too many things in his life. And this is Mm -hmm. the chapter in which Harry gets more things to ponder.
0: Oh, you were feeling comfortable with things? (laughs) Can't have that. Uh, and then, let's just, And that's it, what it, Lucia says in exactly that <laughs>
2: accent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. Uh, and then there's a gunfight. Yes. Straight, straight up, you know, Badak Saints, and then there is a gunfight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? Our plucky team puts up a good scrap. Like, Sarah, as you're saying, they've trained, and we get to see them just throw out a variety of spells in a. I don't think we've ever seen characters throw out this variety of spells this fast in any prior chapter of this text. I mean, I wrote it down, just the ones our heroes use, but they use Producto, they use Stupefy, they use Coyoportos, which seems very specific, but that's a the spell they got. Spelliarmus, Accio Wand, Silencio, Petrificus Tocallus, Accio Brain, that one doesn't <laughs> go so great. Protego, the list is just insane, but it does show that The main thing we've been seeing them do at all their off moments is training for exactly this occasion. Mm -hmm. And it works out well in their favor compared to people that probably have a higher threshold of power, but are overconfident and out of practice. And they quickly get caught with their pants down against kids that they're expecting are going to be pushovers, but turn out to be competently trained professionals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sarah, you noted that uh, Ron is acting weird. The point that we reunite with him later on in the text. Yeah. Let's be honest. How weird is it, really?
1: <laughs> I like <laughs> this. It.
0: Feels like with...
1: we never get what was cast at him, right? So Did, maybe does wasn't. he just have a con- <laughs> does he just have a concussion? He might be concussed. Yeah, this might be just like a regular Muggle problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do, we, we we hear Luna describe that was it is it Jenny that actually has her like her ankle shattered or something? Yes. They just may have just gotten the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> We're now arriving back on deck. Yeah,
1: that might be it. I also like that Jenny tries to pull. It's only a flesh wound with her ankle too. It's like
0: no, no. Uh-huh. That's that. That is not how a broken ankle works. No. We're talking about incapacitating injuries. That qualifies. Yes. Uh, and we talked, BJ. You have talked about you know the importance of you know maintaining diction despite injuries in the Wizarding World. I'm gonna give Neville some credit here. The man goes strong even with a broken nose. He doesn't play a perfect game, all chapter, and fate inevitably has it out for him that things are gonna go wrong at various moments. But, if nothing else, his character arc when it comes to Moxie has now just gone off the charts. I mean, he's staring into his Voldemort, his personal, metaphorical incarnation of death and pain, who's threatening him with the exact same torture that was inflicted upon his parents, And he's yelling at Harry, Harry, tell them to get bent. (laughs) They're threatening to murder me here in front of you. I want you to tell them to piss off. And he's even receiving unforgivable curses. And the next moment, after being literally tortured, he is using a wand that he can no longer use to cast magic because his nose is shattered here in front of us. And he is stabbing Death Eaters in the eye with it. Harry! it's Saving Harry! Harry's thinking, I'm dying. Why is none of the Order paying attention to the fact that I'm dying right now? And here comes Neville, jabbing a guy through the mask in his eye with a wand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Neville has proven himself a hero in a way I never could have expected Start started this text. <laughs> Neville's always been my guy, and I'm just grinning ear to ear as I'm seeing him just continue to rise to the occasion, despite fate just legitimately having it out that I'm going to advise all means by which you can fail... And at this point, Neville's just realizing that and giving fate two middle fingers and charging in.
1: Neville is so having other, a good
0: book. Yes.
2: Yeah. He, I, and I, I'm here for that. I, you know, Fish. I like that that, that Neville is, is having this uh, progression. Mm-hmm. So, so two things. I got distracted by, um, I was trying to get something like tra- chat gpt to make a uh oh, <laughs> instead of prego pasta sauce protego pasta sauce to protects you
0: from from boring flavors um yeah that's a oh man <laughs> there, there, there is marketing potential there
1: uh, i just want this in my life so much <laughs>
2: See, see, sometimes you get worried about when I go off I on do, my tangents, And sometimes you're like, this is the best thing ever. So, you know.
1: A high risk, high reward you exactly. are as a friend, BJ. Gen- <laughs> just in general.
2: Um, so the other thing that wizards need to carry is snuff or pepper or something. Like, if you can just, like, make your opponent sneeze or get them mm. a little stuffy. Like, this is, it's a game changer in in, in wizard fights. Mm-hmm. Also,
1: allergies—the um, real downfall of the wizard. Exactly.
2: Problem. So, so we talked a little. I cast bit pollen about um, the medical facilities at Hogwarts, mm-hmm. and they seem to be just able to do everything. And it's because they spend a lot of time training, particularly in the treatment of allergies, uh, because it's debilitating to every wizard. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to have a a you know very impressive you know, department that can treat everything. I mean, sure, like it's problematic if your uh, bones disappear from your hands. But, you know, any any bone disfiguration in your mouth or nose areas can completely destroy you as a wizard. So, you know, they have to cover all of these things and be very good at them. We actually didn't know
1: what a risk it was for Hermione to continue shrinking her teeth back. Yes, it could have changed the way she talked. It could have changed her entire trajectory as a spellcaster.
2: Um, also, very funny that I wonder if we don't see more cats as familiars because enough people are allergic <laughs> and then they can't cast spells.
0: <laughs> I, it's it's not going to be my head canon that when Madame Pomfrey goes into her back room to put together her various potions with rails, she just opens a big cabinet and there's just claritin in there and that just <laughs> ready to fix the problem. I. The, Hermione has a a decent chapter, but I'm going to highlight one moment.
2: Mm. Sarah, like
0: you said, that bell jar and that just wall of, you know, time turners and everything else, that's horrifying in a way the text only occasionally explores to see what that guy goes through. And having that pretty vividly described as watching that in motion, Mm -hmm. too. Uh, But possibly the single most eye-rolling line in the entire history of these books is Hermione yelling out, Harry, you can't hurt a baby why why j k. Rowling? Why did you throw that in? It completely broke the flow of the chapter for me to have that just level of forced humor eye rolling line put in the middle of it that That was a low moment for me in the chapter.
1: It was not good it It was
2: not good I um. think we're we're going to get more and more lines like this where we are very definitively separating good and evil and making it more and more obvious i mean like the i feel like the allusions to nazism are going to be uh more club based and hitting you in the face as opposed to here's a thing that you should pick up from the text um and and so the we're not gonna kill one of our enemies that seems somewhat incapacitated because we're the good guys and we don't do that, um, I think is more going to be written in text rather than implied.
1: I'll be interested. I I don't have an answer for that necessarily. I'll be interested to keep track of that as we keep going because I'm not, my impression is that I'm not sure that that's true, but I also have never really been on the lookout for that Specific thing as we've gone through, so that'll be interesting.
2: Just like uh, ellipses and dashes and
0: semicolons. Listen, I'm, I'm here this for this. If this podcast
1: has done nothing else, it has changed my reading experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: what we're here for. Uh, it, it'll be curious to see. I mean, I feel like a lot of writers nowadays cast a lot of well shade. You know, they, they look down on writers that just do good versus evil, white versus black, but really. It, can, it, it requires a pretty deft hand to pull that off in a way that is believable, the way that's realistic, a way that is compelling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like certain writers have done that very well. BJ, if you're right, if that is part of her intent here, this is a very blunt instrument as a way of starting that off. And I'll be curious whether she becomes a little bit more carefully, carefully crafting about it going forward. Uh, in terms of successfully horrifying things, we go back through all the rooms that we were in before. Uh, including Let's Go Accio Accio Brains and see... I wrote down some of the descriptions. Spinning as it came, what looked like ribbons of moving images flew from it, unraveling like rolls of film. Tentacles began wrapping themselves around Ron's arms like ropes. Thin ribbons spinning around Ron's chest pulled tight against him like an octopus's body. No, no, please stop. Please, no, I don't want this. <laughs> no, I don't want this. I'm not, saying, I'm not speaking for Ron there. I just don't want to see this. <laughs> Harry, just turn away. Let Ron suffer. I just don't want you to describe it anymore. Please.
2: And you know uh, that Hermione didn't use this because she's not one of the characters in desperate need of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do, oh, We and I said, we also returned to the room with the dais and the death portal? our arched to the underworld. I'm sure someone's going to describe this here at some point. Um, but we're back. We, we saw that that was coming. All of the bad guys are simple. Our main characters are doomed. Neville's trying to help, but there's only so much that he can do. And then the cavalry arrives. The Order of the Phoenix is here. They are on site. There is another gunfight. In terms of the moments that I expect will just be incredible when put on film, I'm picturing this one. I'm picturing that this particular confrontation, all of our heroes arriving, massive throwdown between trained wizards on both sides, this has the potential to be an incredibly visual scene. I, I very much agree with you. Do we get the brains?
1: I don't think we get the brains in the movie. Disappointing. If I I, I could be misremembering that, although I feel like I would remember the flying brains.
0: <laughs> I would hope so.
1: I don't think we get the brains or the bell jar.
0: Interesting. It, Are the movies in general trying to be more serious?
1: Especially as we get later in the, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: It'd be very men in black and it'd be very funny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The prophecy the MacGuffin for half of the people that are in this chapter is rapidly no more. I'll be curious if anything more is said about that later. I'll be curious if we hear ramifications from Voldemort later, given how much he's been investing in terms of getting this. That man is really big on the subject of prophecy. That is just, like, a big deal for Voldemort in a way that it just isn't for other characters.
2: Mm-hmm. It's also kind of weird how prophecy doesn't seem to factor
0: into the Wizarding Worlds yeah. at all. It's, like, it's in a file cabinet to the rest of the Wizarding World, but for Voldemort, it's the basis of his actions.
2: But this also kind of feels like one of those, this is a super powerful thing that could affect everybody in the like Wizarding World... And so as the patriarchal people that we are at the Ministry of Magic, we have decided to file it all away so no one gets to deal with it.
0: (laughs) We've got to protect the world from the power of these objects. Correct. This feels all sorts of paternalistic. That
1: is what the Department of Mysteries exists to do.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Uh, And I do enjoy that Dumbledore effectively functions as the cavalry's cavalry in this chapter. (laughs) Uh, he arrives and everything just becomes utterly broken. We, we, we ha- Dumbledore, I, I enjoy, is acknowledged in text as a game breaker. Mm-hmm. He can't show up that often because he's too powerful. He resolves the plot by the immediate factor of his presence. The moment he arrives in this battle, all the Death Eaters look, realize they're screwed, try in a half second to do something about it, and Dumbledore just waves his wand, and the battle basically ends. Because mm-hmm. he is that Wizard God has arrived on scene, effectively, and he fixes things.
1: Fixes some things.
0: (laughs) Some things, yes. And and, and leaning into that, Sarah, as you kind of said, we've reached now a different category of YA. Uh, Sirius's death is sudden, it is unexpected, and I feel like the purpose of the arch is to make it very clear in text that it's irreversible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of, so much in this we've talked we've joked that you know ev- even death can be walked back with the power of magic except it seems like they're plainly saying here Bellatrix strange has done, had her Voldemort moment. she has killed a hero she has killed a main character this is another loss to harry in a way that i don't
1: feel like killed her cousin mm-hmm. she's killed her own cousin
0: true yes this, this is this is true as well um the black well. sheep of the family mhm <laughs>
1: He yeah. was literally, wait, okay.
0: He, he's the white sheep of the family, actually.
1: <laughs> but
2: th- this is not me making that joke.
0: This is J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah.
1: No, it's joke. absolutely, yeah.
0: yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes. 100%. Uh, it, it, it's an effective moment. It's a shocking moment. It's what it's intended to be, and I'll be curious to see what the ramifications are going forward, because Harry's always operated under the loss of his parents. It's been a driving aspect to his personality, even if he was not conscious enough to actually, you know, experience it. Mm-hmm. At least not the first time around. Since then, he's gotten opportunities <laughs> But this one's straight up in front of him. This is straight up one of the main, most important people in his life. The closest connection he's had to a family member dying before his eyes in a way that it's even worse that it's played out in slow motion. It's that that slow motion death, you know, in films of where someone gets shot and suddenly we see them slow motion fall to the ground, except it's happening in real time for him, basically.
2: Yeah, so their battle kind of reminds me of Princess Bride with, like, why are you still
0: talking? Like... The the, the, ch- the chatty battle?
2: Yeah, and it's just like, haha, I've got you now. It's just like, spells well, are literally the, the only things that you should be doing with your mouth in a spell battle. It what well, it, it, It's fun in that regard,
0: too, because it, the, the chatty battle in Princess Bride works because neither of them want to kill each other. They're actually right. having fun. Here, Sirius is the one being chatty, and Lestrange just kills him. Yeah. I, they're... they're, they're they they're experiencing two different levels of engagement right now, and it plays out realistically because of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like somebody doing shadow puppets in the middle of a, a gun battle, and it's just like a, your hands need to be on the trigger. Like, what are <laughs> you doing?
1: Can I give you one change to the movie from the scene that is, I guess, sort of spoilery? But well, I mean, it's not Please. spoilery yeah. for the plot; yeah. it's spoilery about the changes for the obviously. movie. It's an yeah. Adaptation issue, um, yeah. sure. In in that moment when. Harry and Sirius are bo- like team up together in the room when they s- they seem to be kind of gleeful about being able to team up together. Yeah. Sirius calls Harry James in the movie.
0: Mhm. Mm. That's a
1: nice little addition. Mm. Well, it also becomes super problematic. Uh, yes. For, for our remaining character from that duo, but um
2: yeah. Well, I mean cuz he's used to ganging up
0: Against one on other. No, characters. no, 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 no. He's dead now. Show some respect. That's right. let's, 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 let's let us let us let him exit slowly through the arc of death, and without without any degree of you know aspersions cast against him. He's he's had enough cast against him today. Let's be fair to say. <laughs> uh, but in terms of who won, who lost this chapter, Sarah, I'm curious of your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't. so go ahead. Is
2: but, is Harry losing his godfather? worse than actually dying.
1: Well, I, in some <laughs> ways, I actually kind of think that this was a worse chapter for Harry because, like...
2: <sighs> I'm not saying it's any that it's <laughs> not... Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I just think it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing that we have to grapple with. I
1: think it's actually true, though. I think, especially given the, like, long emotional journey that Harry went on over the course of this chapter, like, the beginning of it, where he thought he had then killed his friends when he finally realized that... <laughs> Sirius was not actually here, um, to, like, losing his godfather in this way, to seeing all of his friends really beat up on over the course of of all of this. Like, I think that Harry had a worse chapter, because Sirius was, like, kind of joyful at the moment of his death, and as far as we can tell, it is instantaneous and painless.
0: Sirius finally got to do something. He's fighting. That's all he's wanting. actually playing active role. He's... Yep. He, he is practically cackling gleefully as he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry, on the other hand, has to live with this. He, you know that it's going to fester, that Harry's going to pick it on the chin, take personal responsibility for everything that happened here. That all my friends got hurt because of me. Mm-hmm. My godfather died because of me, because they all had to show up to save me from putting us all in this situation.
2: you will get through it mostly by the first quarter, maybe a little bit less of the next book. It'll rear its head about halfway through, and then won't really be talked about. Kind of similar to, what's his name that died in the last book that Harry doesn't really, like, focus on anymore?
1: I mean... <laughs> What do you want Harry's got me, a lot BJ? going on. <laughs>
0: I, mean, I, 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 I think Harry's a good pick. Who, who's the winner though?
1: I feel like it's probably Neville, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean It's, it's he, definitely he, not Lucius. Lucius.
1: No, because it can't Lucius be any had of the death really bad bad because too. they actually did not accomplish any of their goals yeah. period.
0: Oh. Seemingly like a lot of them are ending this chapter at a minimum arrested. <laughs> yep. Like even the ones that get away are now returning to Voldemort, who's going to be pissed, and those that didn't are going back. And, well, I hope they don't just put him back in Azkaban. That place don't work. That place don't work. <laughs> it don't. But I, 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 I'm with you. I think Neville... It's still a Neville win. It can't be perfect, but in, yeah. relative for the character, this is his triumphing hour.
1: I, yeah. Yeah. Questions?
0: Who make the prophecies that are stored on shelves? Who
1: uh, make. <laughs> you mean who actually prophesizes?
0: Yeah, is there a specific wizarding community or somebody who works within the department who just produces these all day and then they get filed away? Or, they, or is the mystery, the Department of Mysteries going out and collecting them?
1: So, yeah, so I think that we got a little indication when the orbs started smashing, <clears throat> excuse me, and when Harry's orb smashed, that there were perhaps different figures emerging from... Yeah the broken orbs um if we go to the description so obviously we can't hear harry's prophecy right it's too, we cannot. too far away but yeah that's
2: we, where dumbledore was
1: we do he was standing
2: right in the right place right
1: there dumbledore was not there yet um but we do get um A quick, I'm trying to figure out exactly where it is. As both of them stared at
0: the place where it had broken, appalled at what had happened, a pearly white figure with hugely magnified eyes rose into the air, unnoticed by any but them. Harry could see its mouth moving, but in all the crashes and screams and yells surrounding them, not one word of the prophecy could, could he hear. The figure stopped speaking and dissolved into nothingness.
1: So we really only get one descriptor of this figure, but does that descriptor evoke any of the characters we have met?
0: Just a bit, yeah. Perhaps someone that previously worked a little bit at the school.
1: Correct. <laughs> so anyway, the answer to the question is that there are many different people who make prophecies. Um,
2: I wanted it to be fox eggs. But <laughs>
0: well, it, it, if it is indeed the person that we're thinking about, even Dumbledore has talked about, you know, she has true sight, but it's only so often that she comes across a, cor- a correct reading. Is the Ministry...
1: I, yeah, I believe hmm? I believe he told Harry when she made her last correct reading that she had made one before, and it was ah. that they knew of, and it was 15 years earlier, or whatever he had yeah, said.
2: around Harry Potter's Yes. D-
0: yeah, d- d- does this five. suggest, then, that the Department of Mysteries can tell what's a true prophecy and what isn't, and they're filing away the accurate ones?
2: I think so. I, th- I think that the that the bearer can also tell true prophecies like i i think yeah that, that like she kind of knows when she's full of it and there are sort of other things that are like vaguely you know horoscopy that mm-hmm. you can do <laughs> but like i i think my guess is that when like these true prophecies sees the the bearer it, it it's like a thing
1: now, the one thing that we don't know, and I don't think that we get explained that I really wish we did, was how they are actually captured in the orbs. Um, because presumably you don't know when a true prophecy is coming. Does somebody have to be there to capture it? How does that happen? Um, because, uh, go ahead.
2: Yeah, you, you use a pensive and then you battle it. I'm like That's that, possible. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's absolutely possible. I like it. Um, I mean, that's absolutely not how it works in in world, but like. Well, we don't know, and actually, I think the logic might work. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Other questions.
2: Does the door shutting spell happen again? Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> 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 Same category. Was briefly seeing the time turners on a shelf, taunting intentionally by J.K. Rowling.
1: I forgot that we saw other time turners again. <laughs> uh, whole shelves of them. <laughs> They do keep those on lock, which I think is super interesting. But also, like, just reinforces how wild it is that Hermione got one when she was twelve. <laughs> it,
0: it further, it further reinforces that the basis by which you take over the Wizarding World is raiding the armory that is the Department of Mysteries. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just send in your troops. They've got all the they've they've got all the assault rifles stored right there.
2: And it's unlocked. I mean, this also, yeah. Reminds me of the like mad scientist layer with many doomsday devices just sort of like lying around, um, and it's just like, what, why is this open? Like, like for the right ambiance,
0: <laughs> there needs to be a constant threat of death to my underlings for them to understand that I'm an evil mad uh, mastermind.
2: Yeah, um, how how well do time turners work? Like, what, what's the the actual magic of the time turner?
1: I honestly because, have no idea.
0: Are you are you pouring what's in the bell jar into a little into a little hourglass? This
1: is kind of my thought: is I it seems like the bell jar is intimately related to the time yeah. turners,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but it also feels like I mean, I guess you know we've talked fairly in depth about the paradoxes of time turners, mm-hmm. um, and sort of unclear what happens there. But if there was ever a time. To turn back time.
1: Yeah, I think that would be extremely problematic. Yeah. Um, It also, as you said, BJ, there must be... What was your line? There needs to be plot things. Yeah. Plot. Something plot.
0: This is one of the ones I appreciate Artifacts... In world artifacts like the Ark, that are not very well explained, that have this kind of malevolence associated with them, that are a factor of the world that we're just now encountering in a way that isn't just so obviously Chekhov's gun or just obviously a one-off. It's like, this this exists in the world, this isn't purely for plot. Mm -hmm. But you also can see the plot value of this. This is meant to make it unassailable that this death cannot be walked back. This is the ultimate death object
1: yeah it's it's not to to your point spencer it's actually not super clear to me given how everybody seems to be treating this portal and veil that going back in the time turner would even be able to do anything right about no. this yeah that's
2: fair so uh i sarah I, I spencer i'm i'm gonna apologize to you a little bit but and i do this mm-hmm. enough to you that it's fine um so we're we
0: bashing on tolkien go on <laughs>
2: No, 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 no. Oh, something different. Uh, something different. Um, I mean, there's an author that supposedly, uh, if you can uh, wade your way through the works, did good versus evil fairly well. Um, no, but the it was green, the example I was referencing. Yes, go on. Uh, the Green Spell. Uh, I mean, we almost saw that, but isn't that a sort of similar uh, veil?
1: Uh, oh, Avada Kedavra? Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any going back. There's no, I mean, like a, there's no magical going back from that. And then that one is unclear what would happen with the time turner to yeah, if I you mean, could I, prevent this spell from me and cat. Like I don't.
2: Sure, I, don't I, really I know. think the the time turner thing. We just have to accept that like there's the it's all in world. Like time turner things all happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's all in world. It doesn't you. It's yeah. not, we're going to obviate the paradoxes as a, you can't change it. Like that is what happened. Mm-hmm. And we sort of see that with uh, like things going on in parallel.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we got it in the third book that like, it looked like they were changing things in the yeah, world, but, but it was really just perspective and right. them coming back had already happened anyway we, we have had we, many of these time what, travel right. conversations
0: it, 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 time travel is done differently at every medium but that's actually the category of time travel i prefer of where it's not so much adjusting time adjusting time it's just gaining a different perspective on events that are otherwise on the sale and that is knowledge that you then can carry forward because you are an adjustable object whereas time itself is already you know yeah. written out yes i don't
2: mind the branching
0: universe one either um Se- basically separate realities that are now occurring as a result mm-hmm. of time travel. Right. Yeah, it, um, e- even line time travel just pisses me off.
2: Yeah. Um, so I have one last question, Spencer. I don't know if you
0: have it uh, I, I, One I'm pondering, but I might just leave it behind.
2: Um, okay. So, Sarah, mm-hmm. have you practiced how you would cast Avada Kavadra, because I know that there are different uh, uh, wand holding and uh, <laughs> gesturing motions. And at, like a lot of people have different ones. So do you have a personalized one or do you copy somebody uh, within universe?
1: Mm, I um, I think that I like the dramatic sweeping underhanded cast that voldemort does but i would not pronounce it in the bizarre way that he does okay um at least in 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 the movies he frequently like and there are many 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 memes and uh oh (laughs) yeah i've seen a whole lot of them yeah yeah
2: (laughs) like it's become like i'm probably a little late to the game but yeah it's a lot of instagram right now um, yes, <laughs> I, I also imagine there being a very funny anime adaptation that does the like, immediate like sword draw and put away with
1: with that.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be like the funniest thing.
1: Yeah, but um, in in the movies, Voldemort does, at least for hand gesture, and this is great for an audio medium, but my co host can see me. Mm, now, go on. Does a big sort of from above to below. Um, hmm. An almost like eviscerating motion that I find appropriately dramatic um, and seems it, it, like it would it, be quite satisfying. Uh, so what you're saying is, it's unsurprisingly underhanded. It is unsurprisingly underhanded. Um, correct. Quick
0: question: By this, Voldemort in the movies, he's played by Rafe Fiennes, right? Mm-hmm. How does he do?
1: Oh, he's incredible.
0: I mean, it doesn't surprise me. He's, yeah. a, he's yeah. an excellent actor, but it, it seems like it'd be a difficult character to really, you know, portray in a way that's grounded yeah. in terms of like a visual medium. I think he really gets it on the nose.
2: <sighs> <laughs> uh, uh,
1: this is the best. is completely in the dark. I, I,
0: I don't know... I, 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 I try, I'm thinking I, there might be some way I can understand that one, but I don't really get it. Well,
1: we do get descriptions of Voldemort coming <laughs> back uh, with a snake-like nose. How? Which essentially means that he is noseless.
0: Oh, uh, they play that up in, in terms of how he's portrayed on screen? They do. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: do they ever. Yeah. Um, but I actually kind of love it. Like, I mean, it's a little silly, but I think it, he it, it, they do a good job with him. Um, like, the costuming and the makeup is really good and um he does a really good job of being like a little unhinged in the way that you should be to be the dark lord but also like not a bellatrix lestrange unhinged um he really is a kind of like that figure that is just obsessed with with power and control uh i don't know i think it's really i think it's really he i think it's really well done um, and so, then What's-Her-Face plays Bellatrix Lestrange. Well,
2: don't tell Spencer yeah. who it is, because, I mean, once I knew who it was... Oh, you can't I... see
1: anything else. Right. Yeah.
2: So so I'm very curious to know what your impression of Bellatrix Lestrange is. Like, what do you picture Bellatrix Lestrange as? And then we'll tell you who the actor is, and you'll be like, oh, I can't see anything else now.
0: <laughs> well, sh- sh- should we save that until we're actually starting to watch the films then? <laughs>
1: Yeah, let's do no. that. You, well, okay, yeah, because y- well. you're going to get a lot of Bella. Spoiler: You're going to get a lot of Bellatrix moving forward. So if you want <laughs> two books and a bit of having something yeah, in your fair. head, well, well,
0: well, there's a few actors I know just because it's bled through that I've I, for, for Ray Fiennes, I just read his filmography at one point because I was seeing him in other roles and that yeah. one was on the list. Yep. So yeah, could, couldn't avoid that one. Don't actually know who for Strange is, okay. So let's. Let's keep that one separate for the time being if you guys are warning me out it's yeah. gonna bleed in Oh no when oh, you yeah.
1: find out you're gonna be like oh yeah of course <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well, I'm Bellach Strange was the one one I figured had to get away so no big spoilers when it comes to there the rest of them I'll be curious to see what other death eaters make it out but let's let, let's do the, uh, favorite part? the, the, the <laughs> let's do let's do the reveal of what the next chapter image is. <laughs>
1: Chapter 36, the one, the only one he ever feared.
0: Oh, they're throwing down. They're throwing down at close range like they're using swords.
1: Yeah, these actually, in this image, these wands are bizarrely long.
0: <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a spell fight. This isn't a wand fight. These guys are straight up using British cane fighting <laughs> techniques right now. We are going full Victorian.
1: I, in wrestling, I believe that is the kindo stick has come out from underneath the apron. <laughs> <laughs> it's now it's that's the version of, I would watch.
0: It, it, it's one of those moments of where um, I, I really enjoy the old Sherlock Holmes stories. You know, Sir Arthur Condole is a great writer and they're very fun stories. But they're, 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 in some ways, they're very much a product of their era and like in terms of like the martial techniques used. Mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. One of the things that Arthur Condole says that Sherlock Holmes is really good at is he's an expert cane fighter. Because that was just in for that particular era. Of course.
2: <laughs> the but, yeah. The drawing yeah, I, I, style I, I, makes it look like they have petticoats on.
1: It does. These are, like, actually yeah. very full robes.
0: <laughs> one, one, one thing I just really love is that Voldemort just straight up has a shield. Mm-hmm. I feel like shields don't appear often enough in fantasy. And, you know, hey, it'd be useful if he actually did just physically carry around a magical shield. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's holding it
2: really funny, but... You know what can you do
0: I, I i gotta say we've been building up the idea that these two I, I didn't honestly think these two would ever really get into a fight so if we're going to see this in the next chapter of the two arguably most powerful wizards in the setting dueling with each other i better see some like straight up reality deformation i better straight up see the aspects of the ministry to start coming apart around them And I really better see that in the film, because otherwise I will be disappointed.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. I actually can't remember a lot. I mean, I know what happens in this chapter, but I don't remember exactly what happens in the duel in this chapter, because like you were talking about with the possibility for the film in the chapter we just read, this upcoming chapter is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I also think it's interesting that they're really playing up the snake. Aspect because mm-hmm. uh, his eyes are very uh, like they're not in the right place for a human, he, uh,
1: which um, I think is a he looks like a Jawa.
0: He, he does yeah. is Jawa is the Jawa flashlight yeah. eyes,
1: <laughs> which is a little disconcerting to me because I find the Jawas to be adorable.
0: And, um... Oh, you cute little Voldemort! <laughs> That, man, jaw addiction be a hell of a thing for for spell casting.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been fun, y'all.
0: It has. Looking forward to the next chapter with you. Bye, guys.